Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, senior editor here at Emerge. Today's guest on the show is Scott Zoldi, chief analytics officer at FICO, here to discuss his organization's recent report on responsible AI in financial services. The survey that they cite in this report is actually very, very striking. Just in terms of the gap between executives in their knowledge of AI and how they feel about their boards and the rest of the organization in terms of understanding where AI is going, especially in ways to best implement new adoption initiatives at their organizations. Scott tells us on today's show that a lot of this has to do with the hype surrounding artificial intelligence capabilities. I think we've all seen this. Chat GPT does come up, but is not the major subject of today's show. A little less in the zeitgeist of how we talk about AI, even if AI is very much in the zeitgeist of everything right now, is the amount of regulations we're seeing pop up across the world addressing these issues. Scott does a really great job of breaking them down in today's show. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Thank you so much, Scott, for being on the program with us today. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. So beginning with this report on AI responsibility among financial services organizations from FICO, why do so few financial services organizations feel as though they've achieved AI maturity at this point? The number is is very low, almost in single digits. Yeah, it's kind of surprising, actually, right? I think 8% said that they consider themselves mature when it comes to responsible AI. You know, I think there's a few factors. You know, factor number one is, is that there aren't many playbooks for this. I think the piece parts the financial services organizations understand, but they really need to kind of organize themselves around a standard which would be applied across the entire financial services organization. And that takes energy, right? There's a lot of different models being developed. There's lots of different opinions. And, and so this one model development governance standard, which the company will, will embrace, right, and, and develop their AI around, is really hard. It's very transformative. I think the other thing that it is a challenge in today's day is just all this sort of AI hype that's out there, right? So, you know, they're constantly being bombarded with the newest and latest technologies, which, you know, divert people's attentions away from kind of focusing on the brass tacks of building models that are robust and explainable and ethical and and auditable, which, you know, is a little maybe less exciting. Yes. We're we're going to actually, you know, touch on your larger feelings with chat GPT in, in a, in a future episode, but just to kind of use that as an example for right now, in terms of what you're talking about, with hype and how these technologies end up being abused, even though they have clearly noble purposes. I mean, every student should be using chat GPT to come up with their bibliographies because there's nothing that's, you know, knowledgeably gained from just citing your sources. You're just proving you're as smart as you are. You're, you you have concrete points in this world, but that's, that's a, that's a banking model of education. That is a, a formal process. None of it teaches you philosophically anything different about the subject. 
and it's a very automatable process. And AI should be coming up with your bibliography and it makes you just as good of a student so long as those sources are are properly cited in and used in 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 your work. Where it becomes irresponsible is where we're taking this tool that can just so easily come up with bibliographies and asking it to write the entire essay you know, kind of based on how we're seeing the advertising of this product without getting into chat GPT writ large, but just using it as an example here. Do we have kind of a microcosm for, you know, maybe a technology everybody's using at home, but in the similar ways that we are in this report, asking ourselves deeper questions about AI, responsible AI and how enterprises use it. Is that an effective comparison? Yeah, I, I think it is an effective comparison. And I, I think, you know, one of our challenges that, that we see in the report is that many of the financial organizations say that their C-levels and their boards don't understand the importance of responsible AI, right? And so very often, right, what is, you know, popular in, in the, you know, popular press becomes, you know, questions like, why are we not using deep learning, right, for, you know, these very, right. very critical sort of decisions, or why not using things like chat GPT? And so I think that it's not helping for sure, right, to kind of really have that dialogue around, you know, the importance of responsible AI. And, and some of that is getting the support from at the board and at, at the investment level. Absolutely. And it's in something we know as AI practitioners, people inside of this space is the AI you don't do, the AI you ignore is just as important as the AI that you engage with and utilize and adopt into your organizations. Just to put a finer point on that statistic you were pointing to about executives and their boards, it was 44% of executives responding to your survey saying that responsible AI strategies aren't defined at the board level. I think this is a great opportunity to get into your methodology here and maybe educate a lot of the business leaders at home. What does a board defined AI strategy look like and and what's your standard in, in going into this survey? Yeah. So from a from a guideline perspective of kind of the, the main sort of tenants, you know, the way we look at it is, you know, there are there are kind of made four major categories. You know, one is, you know, building models that are robust, those that are, can, you know, handle, you know, in a production environment where, you know, data may drift and behaviors may change because, you know, the, the data that we build the model on and, and the data that is used in the, a production or operational environment can shift. And there's a lot of work to build models that, hold up during kind of shifting economic times or financial times. And so, you know, building the model correctly, right? There's so many people that want to use auto ML or, you know, quickly just spin some data through open source sort of trainer in, in, in an hour or overnight and call it a model. But, you know, models that, that impact people take a lot more work to make sure that they're fully understood from a, you know, robustness and stability perspective. And so that brings me to like part two. Part two is they need to be explainable, but moreover, interpretable, which means that, you know, we really need to understand very concretely, what is the model learning and what drives those decisions? And, and, you know, very often we talk about these sort of AI or machine learning models as a black box. And that means that no one really knows, right? So they apply algorithms on top of that to try to, you know, glean out maybe an explanation that might be plausible, might not be plausible. And, you know, I like to refer to those explainable AI algorithms as, you know, good, bad, and ugly. Because it's, it's all of them provide different answers, right? And so, you know, focusing on an algorithm which is interpretable, where a data scientist and a governance a team and a regulator go look at what drives this model and ask questions about whether that's reasonable or not, 
and and safe is important. And then third piece, right? Ethics, right? Is is the model ethical? Does it have a, a different sort of impact on different types of consumers than other types of consumers, right? And you know, what is the methodology to do that? Well, part of it is to really deeply understand what drives the model and and see, you know, does a particular learned behavior, let's say, between number of late payments and total mortgage balance have a very large impact on the model. And that might be fine, right? But it might impact certain types of consumers differently than other types of consumers. And it's a, it's an ethical AI question. And then the last part here is, is audible AI, right? Demonstrating that you followed the process established for a responsible development of a model. You can't have every data scientist having their own favorite method, right? You'd have, if you have 300 data scientists, you have 300 different ways they built their model, but show that it was done properly. And moreover, carry those assets into the production environment so that you can monitor that model appropriately. Today, you know, monitoring is another big, big problem. And you know, I like to tell people, it doesn't matter if you built a, a, a ethical model or a responsible model in the lab, right? It only really matters when you start to impact humans. And that means that you need to have the assets that you need to monitor to make sure that it is not you know, behaving differently than you anticipated when it passed all the checks during the de- responsible AI development. In terms of development, especially folks who are well entrenched in this space know it's a, it's a transformation. That said, there's only there only seems to be a handful of doorways of first use cases that are that front door into that transformation. And often they call it transformational because it ends up looking nothing like that first use case by the time that you've got a full-blown in-house AI adoption project in order from what from your initial business problem. Just taking a couple of steps back, I, I know your report touches on this a bit. What are the first ways financial services organizations begin with in-house AI capabilities? The very first steps are are really to kind of survey, you know, what what AI or machine learning is being used within an organization. And so, you know, that is to basically kind of survey, you know, all, all the different methodologies that are being used. Then it's to form either through, you know, a role like, like mine, like a chief analytics officer or maybe a chief ethics officer, a set of guidelines on the ones that we are going to pivot to from an organizational perspective. Meaning instead of having 12 different ways or 120 different ways, let's focus on two or three or four or five. And then develop the best practices around that. So, you know, and that basically relates to this, this concept of a model development governance standard that, that all AI and machine learning would be aligned to. And that's, that's really the key, because once you have that, then you can refine and say, you know, hey, you know, we're not doing a great job on responding to regulators, right? I mean, that was another sort of thing we found in the report okay, let's focus on doing better there, right? And, and so instead of, you know, then you can bring the weight of the organization and all the brilliance that is in their data science teams on a singular problem versus having it diffused across many different ways of trying to solve that problem in the organization. Of course. And, and it's worth noting, because I think in that answer, you, you've done a great job of telling our audience how it should be and, and, and giving them a lot of best practices. Just in terms of the responses to the survey, almost three quarters of the executives in the survey responded that the principal benefit, and I want to I want to say this is kind of that front door use case I was talking about before. Tell me I'm wrong, but the principal benefit they've seen in AI is through customer experience. We're seeing this 
in terms of emerge. And Dan will have no problem with me saying this, our, our head of research, Daniel Fagella, that customer experience a lot of times centered somewhere around the call center is that front door to using AI and making that a more broad in-house project for adoption. Tell us a bit about why this is such a huge case in financial services. Is this, especially from what you're seeing in the report, is this still being driven by residual reactionary pandemic forces, I think, which has been the popular assumption, or is something larger going on here now that now that we have enough of the pandemic in the rear view? So I think I think a pandemic is part of it, and and there's a larger view. So you know during the pandemic, you know we we went very digital, right? And so many right. can you know count in, in multiples of years now. The last time we walked into a branch and talked to a human face to face about let's say our financial services status, and so many things are digital, which means that you know consumers are now interacting through these digital means, and so communication and interaction with that financial services organization particularly digitally and intelligently, where we personalize that based on their history and, and how they have run their financial accounts is really, really important. I think the other thing that's larger, probably that the larger theme is we are seeing more and more that AI regulation is taking hold. And the U.S. has been behind the ball here, right? You have GDPR, in Europe, you have the you, know, you have the high risk AI definitions of, of things that where AI models may may or may not be appropriate based on regulators. And just now, just recently, right, we had the in the U.S. we had the blueprint of the AI Bill of Rights in October of 2022, and the White House just yesterday right. put out an executive order around advancing racial equity and and really focusing on you know what algorithms could do better and maybe algorithms to avoid, and so. I think the populace that is impacted by these digital decisions are becoming more and more informed about the fact that there is a difference, right? And that they're going to be more and more concerned about that. And so there's this sort of increased focus even at the consumer level around, okay, how are these decisions being made? And do I do I feel comfortable with the financial services organization that I'm, you know, part of and their use of AI appropriately? And am I am I being given the sort of the, the treatment that I should through things like the AI Bill of Rights around, you know, these AI being safe and effective and, and that we have, you know, the right sort of data privacy and algorithm protections from discrimination and, and items that they're concerned about. So I think that's where there's a lot of value because organizations will differentiate themselves. And I think increasingly consumers will become more aware of the importance of them, you know, making conscious decisions around feeling comfortable about how their data is being used to make these decisions. Of course, of course. I think probably the most verifiable object I get in the report is that gap, you know, from between executives and a lot of the times the board, but it is, it does seem to be a gap between executives, the rest of the organization, data science teams, the rest of the organization of AI familiarity, AI education. What do leaders need to know about AI to turn these numbers around? So I, I think what they need to probably, there's a couple of things. First one is they, they need to be educated about the dangers, right? And we, we've seen so many different, very advanced organizations make big blunders with AI, right? And, and we've seen, you know, AI that has not been kind of constrained and built responsibly become, you know, sexist and racist and, and you know, report wrong information. And, and so, you know, they need to pay attention to those aspects and, you know, 
ask themselves, do they want their organizations to be in these positions? And, and the answer would be no, right? And then I think the other aspect of this is, is just a gentle reminder, right? Which is like, you know, George Fox, who is a famous statistician, he basically had a great saying, which, you know, essentially indicated that, you know, all models are wrong, but some are useful, right? And what that allows us to think about is that these AI and, and models are tools, right? And you know, very often, you know, you could choose a tool that is more socially responsible from a, you know, ethics perspective or, or a fairness perspective or a safety perspective. And businesses probably should do that, right? Because you can prioritize the human experience over maybe just the, the raw sort of predictive value. And in general, right, I think those two things have to come into their purview. And I think they'll make really good risk decisions, right, with respect to, listen, we're going to make interpretability, explainability, and ethics job number one, and we'll make prediction also important, but, but not at the expense of those two other things that are core to our, let's say, DNA as an organization. Of course, of course. I, I think that really spells out, you know, really practical steps that listeners at home can take and re really actionable ways of looking at it. I, I actually think what you were saying just there about how all models are wrong, but some are useful, that that needs to be underscored throughout of this pessimistic view that we have faith in these technologies to a point because we understand their true capabilities. I think it, it definitely something that everybody can wrap their heads around and apply when they get back to their desks. Scott, thank you so much for being with us in this first episode. Looking forward to pulling apart Chap GPT with you next on the program. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I think Scott's response, now that I'm looking back at this whole episode, to the question I had about the first ways that financial services organizations usually get started in these spaces. I know we touched on the very popular first use case, that front door that I referred to, that we see in a lot of customer experience. It's a large part of the reason that a lot of financial services organizations get started in an AI. But just how he laid out the process from surveys and their methodologies and how this is becoming a more broad use case for responding to regulation and in compliance, I think is very, very telling for the folks at home and definitely puts a different spin on a lot of the approaches to AI, how boards might be thinking of AI, which I know we addressed primarily in this episode in terms of zeitgeist hype. And I don't think any of that needs to be repeated. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>